This is a special edition of Middle Georgia Podcasts. I'm Mary Therese. On July 28th, we said goodbye to a Middle Georgia legend, Del Ward. She was 94. Date with Dell was a show that ran on local television and radio in Macon for 40 years. Still, many people in her hometown only knew Dell by what they saw on TV or heard on the radio. If you were ever on date with Dell as a guest, if Dell passed you in the halls of WMAZ, if you ran into her at making little theater shows, or sat next to her in church, or even encountered Dell in a store, it was always all about you. It was never about Dell. So during this special date with Dell, you'll learn more about Dell Ward in her own words, recorded on what was her 92nd birthday back in 2018. Starting at the beginning, Dell talked about how she first got into broadcasting. Well, I went to school here in Macon, which is my hometown, Macon, Georgia. And after high school, well, I was pretty active in drama and stuff like that and did some things like that. Even in grade school, I was Gretel and in Hansel and Gretel and a couple other things. But when I went off to college, I thought maybe I might want to go into theater because I had been active in it and had a lot of really good experience. But I decided, no, I better be more practical because I was a product of the Depression. And so growing up, uh, I had to learn the value of money. I also learned that uh, as a girl, I didn't necessarily get married right out of high school. Many of my friends did. I did not. So I chose to choose a career. And as it turned out, I majored in history. I love history to this day. I love history, majored in history. And I came back to Macon because this was at Bernal College. That's where I took my degree. I went to other schools, but Bernal. I came home, and so uh, I was uh, looking for a job for the summer, thinking I could uh, start teaching in the fall. I had tried to get an application, and they had taken that in. But then a strange thing happened. My daddy had worked for many years at the Macon Telegraph, and um, he was a newspaper pressman, eventually got to be foreman of the press room, and as a little girl, this is the reason I got into history, I'll tell you this. I got interested in history because uh, to supplement his salary, he took a Sunday paper, and I could walk with him. It was in downtown Macon. So I learned so much about the history of downtown through my dad, the families that were living here, people from foreign countries at that age, you know. So that's, that was that. History was it. And English, I wound up with a double major. It just happened that way. But anyway, um, back in, in Macon, I was job hunting, and my daddy was walking across Cherry Street, which is the main drag, and Peyton Anderson was walking toward the telegraph, and he said, uh, Red, he had red hair, and that's what they called Daddy. I uh, said, oh, what, what is Dolores doing? Uh, is, is she finished college? He said, yes, she has. She's finished college. She's going to be a school teacher, uh, we think, and um, she's looking for a summer job. And Peyton Anderson t- said to Daddy, well, tell her to go see a man named Al Lowe at WNEX. I have just bought an interest in that station, which was catty-cornered across from where the telegraph was. Well, of course, I did. WNEX Radio in Macon was where Dolores Ward became Del Ward. I'm Dolores, really. But Al Lowe changed my name because he said it would not 
fit into a radio format. He said, Dolores is just too long. I said, what are you going to want to call me? He said, Pat. Oh, I said, my goodness, I didn't know that. I got to think about that. I don't know about that. And when I called Mother, I said, Mother, won't change my name. Well, she said, to what? I said, to Pat Ward. Oh, she said, well, how do you feel about it? I said, I don't like it. She said, this is your very first job. Stand up for yourself now. So I went to Mr. Lowe. I said, Mr. Lowe, Mr. Lowe, I don't want you to change my name. I do not want to be Pat. And he said, you don't. What do you want to be? I said, well, I'm Dolores. He said, Dolores? Oh, we'll call you Dell. I said, I like that. So he really gave me the name. I didn't tell him that I always spelled it D-O-L-O-R-E-S. Called Mama and told her. I said, don't worry, Mama. I said, when the years come and go and come and go and come and go, on the tombstone, I will have it D-O-L-O-R-E-S with Dell in parentheses. She said, that's fine. Also at WNEX, Dell learned of a new media called television. Because I was a receptionist, I read a lot of interesting information, and among the information that I read was about what was going on in television. Well, we didn't have it in Macon. Atlanta didn't have it. So I read about it. The more I read about it, the more I wanted to know about it. And I read what New York University was offering a summertime course in television. I asked Mr. Lowe, the manager of the station, I said, will you let me keep my job and go and take this course? That time, you know, people around Macon were thinking, well, it's going to come, it's going to come. So he said, yes, you can do that. So I went and I studied television at New York University when it wasn't even in Georgia. What a learning experience that was. Soon after that great experience in New York, Dell got her first job in radio outside of her hometown. Back at WNEX, I came, and I got invited to a dance at Notre Dame. A young man who had been stationed at Warner Robins met through my grandmother, me. And he, he was in service, he was in the Army, and he he asked me would I write to him when he was going away. He was going away to Italy. And I said, yes. When I wrote to him, he wrote back, and I learned a little about what he was doing. He lived in New York City. Okay, when he got home, he said, I am in Plyden, and I'm going to Notre Dame. I'm excited about that. When he got to Notre Dame, he invited me up for a dance. And I said, well, yes. And so I went to the dance. Well, I didn't know anybody in South Bend, Indiana. I'd never been up that way. And so while he went to classes before the dance, I went to visit the radio stations. I didn't know anything else to do. But I knew they'd be friendly because I worked for one in Georgia, and I knew the language and the feel. Before the day was out, I was offered two jobs. I was offered a job in South Bend, and I was offered one in Mishawaka. And that was the first time I'd ever heard a radio station in a foreign language. It was Polish. I I didn't even know what it was. But anyway, so naturally, I was all very excited. I don't remember too much about the dance. I was too excited about being offered jobs. Came home, asked my parents what they thought, and they said, You know, it's up to you. 
you know, it's your life. Which I, I was an only child, and I was so pleased with the maturity of my parents, I thought, then. And I always thought so, because they were very young when they got married, so they were still young. So I took the one in South Bend, Indiana. The station was WHOT, and uh, I started to show. Well, once I was there, I began to read again what was going on in the media. And that would eventually lead Dell to the number three media market in the U.S., Chicago. Fran Allison was later known as Kukla Fran and Ollie, that she was leaving her station in Waterloo, Iowa. She was coming to Chicago to another station. So I called the manager of the station in Waterloo, Iowa, KXEL, and I told him who I was, and I was working in in South Bend, Indiana, and if Fran Allison was going to come to Chicago, I'd love to go to Waterloo. I sent him uh, records of my work in the South Bend and also something that I would have had from Macon, and I don't remember what that was. But interestingly enough, they called and said, come over. I did not know how to get to Waterloo, Iowa. <laughs> I didn't have a car, of course, in those days. Get to the train station. Chicago's a big town, lots of train stations. Found out one that could take me over there. And I went by train to Waterloo, Iowa, spent the day there. And when I got back, they offered me a contract. And there was no contract in, in South Bend. And I told them I'd have to look at it. And then I was going back home. You know, and uh, I'd have to think about it, but it sure was, I was honored <laughs> to get that. And I asked Daddy if he knew a lawyer in Macon. He said, well, he knew of one that he, I said, somebody needs to read this because I'm not sure what it is or what it means. So the contract, the lawyer told Daddy, it was a standard contract. There wasn't any, nothing in it, you know. So... I had applied to WGN even when I was in in South Bend working, but never got any feel. But I got a feel after Kukla, Fran, and Ollie became a reality from WGN. I said, well, I'll send you my records. I did. Pack up the records, pack up the records, big records. And they, they all would be back. And they said, we'd like to talk with you and maybe offer you a job. It was that simple. And I said, oh, my goodness. Well, okay. I said, well, I've got a job offer from KXEL, and it, too, is a 50,000-watt station. I knew WGN was. And I said, if you give me a job, I'm going to take all your listeners that Fran is going to leave when she goes into work in Chicago. I'm going to take them all because I'm from the South, and I'm going to be something different in the Midwest. And they said, oh, okay, you know, that sort of thing. So I told my folks, I said, well, I'm going to go to Waterloo. So they were going to take me, and they did. And we got to Chicago. And I said, Daddy, find a parking place near WGN. I want to go up there one more time. They offered me a job on the spur of the moment. I had not signed a contract with KXEL. So I got the job at WGN, became the first girl in the country to run, or halfway run, an all-night record show. What an opportunity for a girl from Macon, Georgia, to get into that kind of business. 
a great experience in part because WGN and Dell Ward could be heard by listeners in about half of the country, including the folks back home. My parents, my mother particularly, could listen because she could hear me in Macon. And so could other people. So I got phone calls from home. Boy, that made me feel good. My mother would call one time. I remember one time she says, you sound like you've got a cold. Do you have a cold? I said, Mama, I, I don't think so. Maybe I don't know it's cold up here. And she said, well, I, would you go see the nurse at the Tribune? I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> WGN was where the name Date with Dell originated. The name Date with Dell started in Chicago. It did not start in Macon because I've been doing various things at WNEX. You know, one time the, the manager wanted to run a country show. And he said, can you do country music? I said, well, everybody in the South can do country music, I think. Yeah, I I can do country music. I can play country music. Sure, I like it. So he said, good, but we need a name. And one of the disc jockeys named Ed Sharp, he said to me, Dale, you're no longer Dale. You're Cousin Odelia. I said, I am? He said, "Uh uh-huh. I said, from the country? He said, from the country. I said, I know country music. (laughs) That's how that happened. Dell was always proud but humble about her history-making accomplishments as the first female all-night DJ in the entire country. Women were going into all kinds of businesses in those days. Mine just happened to be this wonderful one called media. But it wasn't what I did. It was the response of the people. I really appreciated them. I wrote to everybody who wrote to me, a postcard or anything, The only real one I remember at this moment, there are a lot of them, but one of them was the record turner. I didn't even turn records. They had record turners. And that was a shock for me after I'd gone to all the trouble to learn from the engineer in Macon, Georgia, how to operate it. I wasn't allowed to. And a man there, an engineer, and they're the ones that really ran the show physically. I did get to select my music, and if there was anything on it that they didn't want me to play. And that never happened. I just went in and searched all the records. Oh, they're wonderful records. Uh, and But you turned in a list to, I suppose, what would later be called a program director. I don't know. But to somebody, they took my list, and if there's anything on it, they, and they sent the records to the control room. I didn't actually ever touch the records. Don't think I didn't miss that. Because I did. And I had some wonderful phone calls. man called me, and he said, this is Merv Griffin, and I'm singing with the dance band over here in Chicago, and I want, want you to play my record. I said, what? I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. I said, oh, yeah, I've got that record, and I am playing it. He says, I know you are. He said, I want you to play it again. I'm on a break. I said, well, come over here. And he said, I can't do that. I'm on a break from the orchestra. (laughs) I've got to go back on and sing. I said, okay, I'll play it then just for you, which I did. But that was one of the many interesting things that had happened while I was in the Chicago area. You're listening to A Date with Dell, a special edition of Middle Georgia Podcast, and I'm Mary Therese. 
When I was a disc jockey myself at WAYS in Macon, we had the radio stations upstairs of the television station, WMAZ, where Del Ward worked. One afternoon when I was playing The Rest of the Story by Paul Harvey, I always previewed that with On This Date in History. I opened my big fat Bible book of dates and histories, and on that particular date, I'm reading it live, I said, On This Date in History... The very first overnight female disc jockey in the country took to the airwaves at WGN in Chicago. Her name was Dell Ward Napier, also known as Dixie Dell. Of course, I said, hmm, I'm quite sure I know what you're thinking. I'm going to play Paul Harvey's rest of the story. I'll go get the answer to that question that's burning in all of our minds, and I'll be right back. I have you know I went downstairs. Dell was in her office knocked on the door. I said, Del, is this you? And I opened the book and I pointed to it and she said, oh, Trody, yes. I said, um, okay, this would have been great intel to have over the years, knowing that you are this historic figure more so than we already know. And she just laughed and turned the conversation back to me and said, well, Mary Therese, you're from Chicago, aren't you? Typical Dell fashion, she never, ever made it about herself. Next up on A Date with Dell, we have a rare treat, a recording, or as we say in the business, an air check, of a portion of one of Dell's all-night radio shows on WGN in Chicago. Well, here's someone, isn't it? Mr. Leland. Let's see, what was it Leland wanted to hear? Oh dear, one I don't think we have. Oh, if we do have it, it'll be on much later. Oh, it's Tennessee Walking Horse. Hmm, maybe stick around, will you, Leland? Because I think we might have it for you just a bit later. We'll hold on to this letter and say that uh, we have a card here from Bill R. Todd at the... Is it Urbana? Is that right? Urbana, Urbana, Illinois. All right, Urbana, Illinois. He's a very faithful listener. Well, good for you, boy. That's just fine. All of our listeners are faithful. At least we we like to think that they are. What we got next? We got we dedicate that last one, Ball and the Jack, to the Tribune's Chris. <laughs> Chris Cross, huh? We're gonna dedicate this next one to the folks we just mentioned. Also, also to Sonny. Here's a very cute letter from Sonny here in in Chicago. A contented teenager named Sonny. We're gonna send out this next number by Errol Garner who plays a very nice soft piano on Stairway to the Stars. Say, hey, here's a letter from, um, it's addressed to, gee, fellas, listen to this, it's addressed to Lady Commentator, radio station WGN, on duty from 1 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. <laughs> That's where the letter says, actually, I'd like to tell you, Harry, the letter's from Harry, that we go, oh, Henry, 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 that's right, Henry. We go from midnight till 6 o'clock on the show. Henry C. Bellisham. Now in Springfield, Illinois. And thanks very much for your nice typewritten letter. That's very interesting. Henry told us all about what he did and how he enjoyed listening to the show and so forth and so on. And from Miami, Florida. Oh, gee, look at that. Really makes you think, <laughs> will it ever get warm, huh? Nice, nice letter from Mr. R.L. Sanders, postcard, rather. All in pretty glorious technicolor. 
See the Technicolor postcard? Mr. Sanders down in Miami. Well, for Mr. Sanders in Miami, for Henry in Springfield, here's Harry James for no special reason. Don't you go away, man. All the music here on the show, you know, it's on records. Comes to you from WG and here in little old Chicago. This is Del Ward on Hand Sticking 2 for Bob McKee, saying we're just having a great time here this morning. And I hope you are enjoying yourself. Greetings and salutations to our good friend Sid Friedman down in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, gee, well, uh, Shay said, uh, let's see, what happened here? She said she bought the Chicago Tribune last Sunday, disappointed no write-up or picture therein, so please send one. Oh, yeah. Now, I wonder why it wasn't in that paper. Oh, probably down in the out-of-town. That's it. Well, Sid... We have taken care of that. You should be hearing from us in just a few days. The music is recorded, coming to you from WGN here in little old Chicago. And this is Del Ward on hand saying we start at midnight, go right around the clock until 6. And as I always say, please stay, don't go away. While Del was in Chicago, she got her first taste of working in television as an actress. The program was, they had the big cameras for television that I had seen in New York at NYU. So I was, for me, was seeing a camera in front of me. And they wanted me to come, they had a court trial thing. And the storyline, I was just told the storyline, and I could take it from there, was a girl from the South who had killed her husband. She had five children, and she had to come before a jury. Now, the jury that they selected was anybody on the street that happened to be walking around. They had real lawyers, but they had the jury selected from just the folks, you know. So there was a jury, and I was put on trial. This is television now, but I didn't know where the camera was, and I knew how to talk to the camera and how to talk to the jury. I knew enough about that. But I hadn't had any real experience except at WGN. So I told them the story about how I had married very young and how I had had four children. Or maybe it was five. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Southern girl. Anyway, so anyway, yes, I killed him. I killed him. He wasn't a good man, and I wanted to be a country singer. I told the, the jury, I said, you know, I used to try to sing on the radio country songs. Y'all might have heard me. Well, anyway, I must have made a good case because I did kill him, and I did say, yes, I killed him. They acquitted me right there. <laughs> and, and that was my experience in the big time at WGN at that time of my life. Dell would later work in television in New York, but her home and her heart were always in Macon, Georgia. I got a chance to come home for Christmas uh, from WGN. And I remember getting on the old IC from Chicago. They changed cars in, I guess, in um, Nashville. And then you got on the, uh, another train, fast train, to come on down to Atlanta. My folks were going to meet me. And I tell you what, I, all the way down, I got to thinking about it. it's Christmas, and 
I'm going to be home. And right now, I can tell you that in my heart, my parents and black-eyed peas and turkey and mama's dressing sounds so good to me. And that's how I felt. I mean, I was always so glad to get back home and knew that I would eventually live here in the South. And Dell did come home in the mid-50s when she would soon begin a 40-year career at WMAZ. I got married in 1956 to Henley Napier, an attorney, and started at WMAZ the next year. And it wasn't originally called Date with Dell. I don't, but by the end of the year, it was called Date with Dell. Is what I'm saying. I went out to the long way to the studios, and and I did radio at the same time in the evenings. I had a radio uh, radio program. After my husband Henley Napier passed away, and he, in 1997, and I'd been doing Date with Dell. We'd been married 40 years at that time. Uh, and it was a, a very emotional experience to me because our daughter was raised and, and everything, but she was an only child, as I was. And uh, I just felt like I could not um, do a live program. It was just a, a time in life I needed to not work and to kind of get things together. But I did not retire. Although I had been there, I said, I'm not retiring I just, I just don't want to do this every day, every day, every day. By that time, uh, Don McGurk was the manager, and he said, all right. I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not retiring now, you know. He said, oh, no. So after, I guess it was maybe a year or two, I went back to do something, to record something, and I realized that that's pretty good. I think I still might belong around here if they will have me. But I didn't want to do the same thing. Didn't want to do date with Jill anymore. Forty years was enough of date with Jill. So I, I, I suggested to to Don that maybe I could come back. He said, "What would you like to do?" I said, "Something different. I don't know, you know, but just something different." But but on television, I said, "I like people so much. I like to do individual interviews. It's different." And I said, "If you would be interested, I think I want to call it personal profile." so that I talk with people. I will never do an interview with someone that I haven't met before because not for their sake, but for my sake, so that I know more about them. I can do a better interview that the viewers would enjoy. It's the listeners in radio and it's the viewers in television. I really think they're the ones that made it. So I did, I started that and and that aired up until well, we did it first. I think we, I don't know whether we did it weekly, or mo- I think just monthly. And then I decided that I was getting older and that maybe it'd be a good time to do it. Any, they said, any time you want to do it, you know. And so, well, we'll do it every other month. And so I did that for a while. And now, from time to time, uh, personal profile. It was, a, I hope, a little bit different approach to interviews. As a CBS network affiliate, WMAZ started participating in Star Junkets, where local affiliates had a chance to meet and interview some of the stars of network shows. The purpose was just to introduce them to the local people, and I was representing the local people and, and was there. And I asked the CBS, I said, 
well, y'all going to do this often? They said, we think that we're going to do it every summer. I said, oh, well, keep my name on your list, please. Keep my name. I want to come. <laughs> I want to I meet them. And hopefully we'll start taping, which, of course, we did the next year. But to meet Walter Brennan was a treasure. Fine man. He was one of the finest actors that's ever been on the screen. So that was the beginning. And that was held in Atlanta, that particular one. Dick Johnson was along on that trip. He said, boy, this has been great, hadn't it, coming up here? I said, yes. He said, when we get back to Macon, tell them that it was okay. I said, yeah. And he said, you know, tell them how hard we worked. I said, oh, yeah, we'll tell them how hard we worked. We did work. But he said, don't tell them what a wonderful, wonderful project this is. And I said, and they're going to do it every year? Mm, I want to be a part of it. But Dell always had a knack for making her local guests feel just as important as the biggest CBS stars. I always remember a lady called me from Eastman, Georgia. She, she called me. She said, I watch your program every day. And I, I wish you'd have a, somebody on there that could tell the viewers of Georgia how to fix good southern corn. I said, well, I guess I, I interview the people that, that are, you know, that are known, I guess. Why, what you mean? She said, well, I know how to make it. I said, well, will you come up here and make it? She said, I will. And she did, and she came up. It was most, one of the most interesting interviews. She showed how to cut the corn. I'm sure she used what it is, Southern Queen or whatever the good queen corn is of the South, white corn, white corn. That was very important to her. And she did a demonstration. The crew couldn't wait for it to be over because she said, I'm going to leave everything so y'all can eat. And we did, and we did that on a number of different occasions. She was just a plain lady from Eastman, Georgia, who knew how to cook, and she thought I'd had a lot of fancy cook people. And I did. I did have them. They came, they came from everywhere. One of the most interesting ones was certainly not fancy. She was from up there uh, uh, in Tennessee, and uh, she... Well, Jack Daniels, she was related to Jack Daniels, the original one. She was a great niece or something. And now she was, you know, an accomplished person and everything. But this lady in Eastman, she was cooked for her family, and she was just as good as any of them. And the corn was to die for. It was wonderful. When Living Color came to television in Macon, Del Ward was part of that history-making technology. One of the most interesting things was when we had the first colors show, and the Albert Sanders was the manager then, and he asked me, would I like to do the first color? I said, well, of course, I would. What an honor. He said, what would you do? I said, I don't know what I'll do. Let me think about it. And I said, oh, yeah, I know. Even though the farmer's market was near downtown Macon, and I used to shop there, I loved to go to that farmer's market. So I went down there, and asked them would they move everything that they had, the booths, out for the first color television show. We did the show. It was very colorful, very beautiful on color, and I was very pleased with it. And uh, Red Cross 
was the man who kind of ran the station. You know, he was a very capable guy. Anyway, he, he said, I just have one question to ask you. We had all those colors out there for color television. Why did you wear a black and white dress? I said, because it was clean and first hanging in the closet. He said, that's a good enough reason. We could not have a conversation with Dell without an attempt to find out the meaning of her signature sign-off. Trody Tro is Delanese. And this is how that came about. Announcer on WMAC Radio, Lloyd Harris, used to run an evening show. And he told me one day, because I had a little office at both radio and television, he, he said, this man keeps calling me every night. He wants to know, what does Trody Tro mean? And I told him, I did not know, but I was going to ask you. And I said, oh, okay. He said, what does Trody Tro mean? I said, well, did you tell the man to look it up? He said, oh, he's already said he looked it up everything, all languages. Never heard of Trody Tro. Didn't know what it was. And I said, well, it's simple this. You tell him when he calls back. That Trody Tro is Delanese. Fast forward. Later he came to me. He said, he called. I said, what'd you tell him? I said, Del says it's Delanese. And the man said, well, I knew it wasn't Japanese, and I knew it wasn't French and everything. He said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And hung up, and he said he hadn't called back. And I said, there you are. And there's the Trody Tro story involving Ed Sullivan. Well, they were doing a promotion with CBS. And um, they wanted you to have somebody on the staff to acknowledge Ed Sullivan in some way. Red Cross, I'm sure, I'm saying, well, what do you think? I said, I don't know. Maybe just somebody put Trody Tro on a frame and send it to him. I don't really know what to say. Well, time passed, 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 passed. And I got a picture in the mail. And there it was. Ed Sullivan is holding this sign that says, Trody Tro. And I looked at it. And I said, I've got to call CBS and get connected. Tell them that I really appreciate it. But they misspelled it, and I'm going to spell it for them. They had it T-R-O-D. I think they had a Y, but then they had T-R-O-D-I, and I said, no, 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 no. It's spelled T-R-O-D-Y, T-R-O-W. And the lady at CBS thanked me very much. <laughs> she didn't know what she, who she was talking to about anything. But anyway, but I, I still have that picture, or that picture... Like so much of my material, you know, is at the University of Georgia. Del Ward will go down in history as one of the greatest storytellers of all time. She certainly paved the way for me and for so many others, and not just women. If we all learned one thing from Del, and she said it probably a million times in her life, everyone has a story. And it's our honor and privilege to be able to tell it. And she did it so well. As we wrap up A Date with Dell on this special edition of Middle Georgia Podcasts, 
the gracious Southern lady was asked the secret to her success. I don't know, but I am grateful for whatever it is that has made it possible for me to have all of these years knowing people with a very, it's been a, it's, it's a good life. Trody tro. A Date with Dell on Middle Georgia podcast is a creative service of GMS Productions of Macon, Georgia. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.